Welcome to the show. I'm Mikey. And it's your girl Zay Day. We are two social justice warriors dedicated to dismantling systems of oppression through a black, black queer, queer feminist lens. Feminist lens. Yes, this podcast will cover a variety of topics ranging from politics in our country to which new bop you can twerk to. Hey. <laughs> yep. And while we're twerking, y'all can start following. Search Black to the Future on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Join in the conversation. And don't forget to leave positive reviews for us on your streaming platforms. Yes, please leave positive reviews. With the reach of this podcast, we desire to change the world one episode at a time. Yep, and I think it's time we get started, don't you think? Yep, let's get it! The The past past is gone, gone. the present present is an adventure. adventure. Looks like it's time to to go go black to the future. future. Cue the theme music. Mm. Y'all. Dropping every Thursday on the hour of the 12. Yeah. Breaking all the curses, creating family well. Yeah. Saving my community, my passion is their help. Yes, I am a teacher, but I do not miss help. Looking at the world through a feminist lens. Dub it or trash, no recycling bins. Women are superior, we're gonna get our wins. Category clothes, the girls get their tins. Transphobic thoughts are shaky, they wobble. Homophobic creeps left behind, they dawdle. LGBT on pose, yeah, they model. Black to the future, we say poppin' models. Like a dice, like a dog. Hey everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Black to the Future. And uh, I am not here with Mab again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. Don't kill me. Like, he's going to come back, I promise. However, comma, I do have another lovely guest. And so, like, looking back at my history of doing this show, I've had sevens that were very prominent. The seventh episode was the black man's attraction to trans women. And then number 17th episode was the Lex Newman episode, another black man attracted to trans women. So I wanted to keep my trend going. So on episode 27, I'm going to, which is this one, I'm going to have another black man who's attracted to trans women. I am here with the host of Men Like Us podcast. I am here with Chris Patterson, Big Chris, baby! Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. I, like I said, I just wanted to keep my trend going. I noticed it. I was like, I'm going to keep my trend going. Every 7th, whatever, that 17th or 27th, whatever, I'm going to keep that trend going. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Definitely appreciate it. Of course. So, um, of course, we have we have Big Chris. I like to call him Big Chris because that's what he calls himself. So I think that's I think that's great. But um, can you tell people like um your pronouns, um, if you feel comfortable, like what your orientation is, all that kind of stuff, just for clarification. Um, my pronoun is he, his, and him. Mm-hmm. And um, my orientation, I see myself as a cis heterosexual male mm-hmm. um, and you know I, while I am attracted to women I prefer trans women mm-hmm. um, 
That's because you have taste. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. I just like for people to hear the different places and stuff like that where people come from. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so important that we realize that people are just not monolithic, not black men, not trans women. You know, we, there's so much duality and so much change that happens and people need to pay attention to that stuff. So um, y'all already know who I am. So I'll need to tell you about me. But just for clarity, Chris, Big Chris, you can say whatever words you want to say on this podcast. There's no no filtering, no nothing. So if you hear, you already know it got the E for explicit. So get ready to get into that. Oh, snaps. Okay. So the episode, at the top of every episode, we like to ask, what, oh, not what, how is your blackness? So how are you doing right now, like in this current moment? Hmm. I am... I am worrying about me mm-hmm. and me first. So I am not watching the Derek Chauvin trial. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot, I can't put my mental health, I can't put my, I can't put myself through that. Right. So um, that's what I mean while I'm looking out for me. I'm just staying away from it. We've been disappointed so many other times. I can't set myself up to have high expectations again. Um, I will keep my eye on what comes of it, of course, but, you know, right now my blackness is just cautious and I'm taking care of me first. But um, I will say I am more free than I've ever been in my life to be the black man that I feel like I want to be. In the corporate world, Mm -hmm. I worked my way up. I'm the boss now. I don't have to, I don't have to change myself for nobody. I make the rules. Mm -hmm. And I love that. It's a really beautiful place to be where people have to adjust to my blackness, I don't have to adjust to their whiteness. Oh, come on. That is, it's a great place to be once you work your way up, once you become the boss, once you're the team leader, all that stuff, you get to set the tone. Mm -hmm. And um, I definitely appreciate that. So yeah, I'm feeling good as a black man in my own blackness. Never felt better in my life. That is so beautiful. I love how you said that. So y'all heard that. Big Chris is the boss. He running everything. So he, he ain't taking no orders from nobody. And I definitely can I echo what you say as far as like your blackness and stuff. Like basically not being afraid to be a black person in a white space. Like I echo that. Like I'm, tr- I'm trying to get more in tune with that as well myself. And I think we as black people have been so afraid to take up space. And now we're like, y'all know what? We're going to go ahead and take up this space and do what we need to do. And we ain't going to be worried about what nobody else is doing, what nobody else is saying. We're just going to make it work. And then I think also it's important to protect your mental health, which I think is important in what you're doing. You don't have to watch the trial, even though we all fully watched the, the video last year. Like, for some reason, we still have a trial going on, which I don't understand. But here we are. We're watching a trial about this, even though it's feel like it should be pointless. So, you know. Hopefully, George Floyd gets his justice. I would love that. But, you know, am I going to hold my breath in America? No, I'm not going to hold my breath. But to go in vain with that, we also have um, that other riot that just took place because a police officer killed another black man. But I don't want to go too much into that, not on this episode. But um, y'all can go look that information up. I just don't want to bring that into the space. So, but either way, um, so aside from that, I guess my blackness is, 
I'm low-key tired today. Like, I was not feeling it. And I actually have a job now where my manager was like, you know what, we had something scheduled for today, but take the rest of the day off. Rest your nerves. And I was like, what, bitch? <laughs> you care about me as a human being? He's like, yeah, me as your manager. I care about what you, how you feel and stuff, and I don't want you to be putting yourself out there if you don't feel well. And I was like, I don't even know what this is like to have this kind of job. Baby, it was so nice. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> So I guess when you well, I'm not the boss. Like I'm sure, I'm sure Big Chris can take off whenever he wants to. But it was nice for me personally to be able to be like, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna go lay down for these next four hours for the rest of my shift, and I felt great. I feel much better now. Mm, well, if anybody out there has sick days, if you work a job that gives you sick days, you can use those sick days um, as your mental health days. Mm. So if if you are just not feeling it, just say. Hey, I need a mental health day. I'm using a sick day today, and I'm out. Done. I, I do that. I At my old job, I used to do that all the time. I would just not come to work on, like, one Friday every month just so I could have my own mental time where I have, like, zero obligations, nothing to do. Everything is paid and taken care of. I'm just going to open my eyes and just breathe and just enjoy myself. Like, everybody needs to do that. That's just what it needs to be. So, listen to Big Chris. Y'all need to be doing that. <laughs> So we gotta go ahead and kind of talk about your back, your backstory, and well, we like to call it the black story on this show. <laughs> talk about your black story and other stuff like that, so we can kind of get to know who you are, how you got to the point of hosting your own podcast, which I was a guest on as well. So we're gonna take a little bit of a detour to, before we get there, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with your black story. So can you tell everyone like where you grew up? Um, the um, and you ain't gotta be all specific, like on this street corner and this number, and you ain't gonna do all that. But like <laughs> the area where you grew up and like your family dynamic, if you wanna share that, you don't have to say any names or anything like that. But I think it's good just to have that kind of information, like kind of so people can have a reference point. Absolutely. Um I am a, <clears throat> sorry, I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am from the north side of Milwaukee. If you don't know anything about Milwaukee, it's a very black city, but it's also the most segregated city in the country. It has been for the last 20 years. Really? So um, it's a very racist area. Um, my, my family dynamics, I am the oldest of three siblings. I have two younger sisters. My mom is still alive. My father is not. He passed away when I was eight in 92. Sorry. Um, so yeah, that's that's my family dynamics, and that's where I'm from mm-hmm. originally. Oh well, and so wait, where are you at now? You went, you're not in what? I'm in Houston, Texas. Now, I've lived in, yeah, I've lived in a few different cities now. Thank, thank goodness, you know, thanks to work and education, mm-hmm. I've been able to just, you know, experience different parts of the country, different American cultures. Mm-hmm. So it's been dope. No, that's really good. And see, I've only ever lived in Chicago. I think because I'm low-key afraid to leave, but that's besides the point. So I want to I wanna definitely venture out. I definitely probably need to be in a tropical climate because this snow is getting real late for me, and I, <laughs> and I do not like it. So I think I remember on one of your episodes, you just talked about how the snow was not for you, and you're like, we're going to go ahead and go on down to Texas. So so I mm-hmm. I applaud you for that. So out of the places you've lived so far, is Houston your favorite so far? 
or no atlanta is my favorite <gasps> you lived in the a yeah oh. that was the first place i went to as soon as i left wisconsin that was so atlanta was my favorite denver was my least favorite and i still like denver um mm-hmm. i like denver it's just um it's not very black. It's a very white city. Mm. And see, I've never been there, but I've, I've heard that too before. And it's not just because of the snow. <laughs> Didn't. <laughs> yeah. I'm funny. I got jokes. Don't worry about it. Okay. But so obviously your blackness is important to the, to the situation you talked about already in Milwaukee. It was segregated quite a lot and they may not have said it, but I'm sure they was acting on it like, you know, every other major city in the country where it's like, we're going to have all the black people, you know, in this one particular area. And then we're going to put all the white people in a different area, or it's going to seem that way because that's just the nature of how redlining works. If you know your history. Mm-hmm. So obviously your black. It's a real Midwest thing. It was perfected in the Midwest. Definitely perfected in the Midwest. Yeah. I can definitely tell. Like, especially when I go to the city, you can baby. I'm from the west side of Chicago, so when I go to the west, oh, I, yeah. when I go to the west side, or even I go to the south south side, I'd be like, "Is any money over here? <laughs> is there any funding over here at all? Because this is this is bad." And then you wonder why people be acting the way that they do, like they trying to get their money because you don't want to give them none. So, but anyway, that's not for this episode. <laughs> yeah. So, um, since blackness is so important to you, I wanted to chat about something that's going to be important obviously in that space and your black masculinity so would you be able to describe so to speak your black masculinity how would you describe Um, it as general or if you want to be really specific how would you describe that my black masculinity has grown beyond the bounds of what I was raised to believe Mm -hmm. black masculinity to be. Mm -hmm. So um, I am no longer shackled by the mental need for my woman to make less than me. Mm. Or, you know, I don't have a problem with dating women who are taller than me. Uh, You know, things, all these traditional things about what a black man is, Mm -hmm. you know, the strong black man is this and that. No, um, I, I have freed myself from a lot of that. So I'm very flexible on a whole lot of different things. And my masculinity is not tied to certain things, to certain conditions mm-hmm. anymore, which is, you know, definitely liberating. And I would love to see more black men move in that direction and not tie their self-worth to certain conditions in their life. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, thank thank you for sharing your ideas about what black masculinity is. And I think one of the most frustrating parts I heard in what you were saying is the, the rigidness of it. You said the shackles of it. So um, can you kind of expound just a little bit more upon like that, that rigidness or being in those shackles like you call them? Like, like what does that feel like? for you when you enter spaces and not even just dating, but what does that feel like when you enter kind of like spaces? Um, it's, 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 I know some people may not agree with this out there, but Mm -hmm. black men have a lot to live up to. We have this just huge, there are, I know black women have a lot of expectations on them as well, 
but you know there are a lot of expectations set on black men to be this hyper masculine figure mm-hmm. and you have to live up to this hyper masculinity you can't show emotions you can't there's just there's all these things that you can't do mm-hmm. to show that you're strong Mm-hmm. And, you know, even within the context of me being a man who openly dates women in the trans community, mm-hmm. it's like, you gotta do this and this to be straight. And you can't be this. And it's just like, even, um, you know, a lot of that toxicity kind of comes over to judging. A lot of that toxicity leads us men to judge other men mm-hmm. for just being themselves. Right. And, you know, even hanging on to this, you know, this is what it means to be a straight good black man you have to do this this and this i don't talk to any of that stuff and if somebody wants to accuse me of well you're not being the real i don't care that's fine um, <laughs> I'm, I, I am okay being free and being me in the way that i need to be and if we raise more of our young black boys to be free and express themselves the way they need to express themselves, like Lil Nas X, mm-hmm. we would have a way, our, our community would be so much more healthy mentally. The I, mental health in our community would be on a different level. On a fully different level. So I, I love that you brought the Lil Nas X, but I also want to tie in this thing that happened over this weekend, of course, because I don't know if you're a fan of Kid Cudi or anything like that. Oh, yeah, with the dress, yeah. Yeah, and for me, I've never really listened to his music, obviously, but I'm just like... Y'all are really like, like, I, the confines of to be a man is already rigid, but like you said, it's like even more exacerbated. Like, on like to be a black man, it's just like, and, and again, I don't want to bring it up too much, but like a young black man just literally was, was killed and now everyone's going to go ham, of course, and Black Lives Matter and da 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 da. But I'm like, which you all have like the same energy. This is my issue. It's like the same energy. If a picture of him surfaced and he was wearing a dress, I'm like, y'all would not care to me. I feel like, cause they just went ham about this man wearing a dress. I'm like a piece of fabric got y'all that much fucked up. I'm like, and truthfully, uh, it seemed like a gimmick to me. Yeah. And I and to me, even even if it was like something to get clout or to get attention or to garner music sales or whatever the fuck it was, it was my thought process was just like, y'all really bent up that this man is wearing a dress. I'm like, y'all have to let that go because we obviously got much bigger things to to deal with. And I'm like, it's mm-hmm. it it literally just baffles me. But I'm gonna probably save that rant for another <laughs> episode because I got nothing to do with you, but. I, I I understand the rigidness. And so I think I always talk about this for black trans women specifically because there's a certain level of like, we had to go through the black masculinity thing too. And, you know, but I feel like in a certain kind of way, we kind of broke free of that and we got to escape it. And so I think that's why like, me personally, I like to date mostly black black men. They don't have to be black. They can be other nationalities or races as well. But I mostly date black men. I'll be like, I want me a big, tall, a big, tall, protective, sweet nigga. Like, I want all of that, like, hot, homage, like, into one. But you ain't got to be black. Like, you don't. But if I had my choice. Yeah, I will want that. But I will want him to also understand, like, the things that I went through to get to this place are the same things that you're going through, but you don't have to transition. Your transition is going to look very different from me. 
Yours is going to be becoming more comfortable and more relaxed. Kind of like the same vein and the same ease that white men get to have in this space, in this world. That's the kind of transition I would like to see for black men in general. So, so and with that being said, since we're going to talk about attraction, because that's important. So not um, being attracted to trans women specifically, but when did you first pick up like, okay... I like I like women. I like feminine beings. I like feminine energy because I think that's something important to talk about. Mm. Well, I don't know. I just I, I think a lot of times we gravitate towards certain things a lot of times because we're just programmed to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, children are sexualized from the moment that they can wear clothes, which is pretty much from being born. Um, you know, a woman. I, I, I don't know if you were on that conversation, but there was a, a young mother. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm shopping for clothes for my 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 baby, mm-hmm. and all the the shirts are like lady killer, heartbreaker, like right. men. Males are steered into heterosexuality early, so it's like, yeah, you're gonna like women. This is gonna be your wife. I was a, from a heavily Christian family, so you know Adam and Eve and Ooh. all this. Like, it was just, you know, a lot of things were pushed, and um, you know, I guess kind of went that direction, and. Um, so, you know, even when I was a kid, they were like, yeah, we, we did a project for in like fifth grade where they were like, yeah, look at this. Or I'm sorry, put together what your life is going to be like. Mm-hmm. So then I had to go through the catalogs and cut out, you know, a bikini babe or a lady in lingerie. Okay. Like, yeah, this is going to be my wife. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, I couldn't. It, and not that I, I, and I guess, you know, television, media already steered me towards that direction as well. Like I was watching Baywatch when I was a kid. I was already watching women being sexualized on television every week. I could just see, look, Chris, they're just sitting there just like watching the titties just bounce in the slow motion. Bounce up and down. (laughs) Yes, Lord. Yes. And uh, I forget the black woman's name, but she was on there too. And, uh, you know, they only have one. Of course. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, this is just what society steered me into, but it works for me. And, I don't know why I started looking for that feminine energy, but that is absolutely something that I look for. But in my older age, once once what I wanted out of women evolved mm-hmm. from, you know, just fun playtime stuff to lifelong partner stuff, I started to look for maternal energy, mm. not just feminine energy, but maternal. Is she going to be a good mother? Right. I want to have children. I want to have a family. Is she, she going to fit well in that dynamic? What kind of energy does she have right now? So I, I examine that as well. Yeah, I, I I love that. Like how it literally, again, you did a transition, so to speak, from where you're just like, okay, well, she just got to move away. You, gotta, you moved away from her. She just got having to be a sexy bitch and she got a nice body and da-da-da-da to like, what can she actually bring forth in addition to being a beautiful woman? Like, what can she bring forth? Can she provide maternal instincts and care for my family? Is she going to do that? Like, I think that's a normal thing to want, but you know, people are ridiculous and stupid and hypersexualize things. Like you said, like from an early age, I think it's very telling that we allow these t-shirts and stuff to be printed and stuff like that to say that, you know, this baby is going to be like a, like a heartthrob or they're going to have all the little girls chasing after them or how we egg on or be like, like, Ooh, look at him. He a little player. Like he got these little girls and da 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 And it's just like, that's okay. Like this is okay. What if your child just just uh, 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 mm. now? 
Uh, you can look on YouTube right now and you will find videos of toddler girls mm. going up and kissing a boy and everybody's like, oh, mm. that's cute. Like, we are conditioned into this, right. really. It's it's what they like to do on Twitter, like, normalize this, normalize that. Can we normalize just children just being able to be children without anything behind it? Like, that's weird. But mm-hmm. but I think I I do know me specifically obviously like I was born an AMAP person I still am an AMAP person but I obviously was I was a high yellow bitch back then so of course it was like oh she's gonna be at a pool and da 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 like we gonna have a big beautiful family girl they gagged but <laughs> but I was I was just like it's the the anticipation that your child's going to be a a, a cis hetero person is just baffling to me. Like people are still like, I don't know how people are still like, oh my god, not my child. And like, we already know that you have no control over this. Like, how are you shocked or surprised or angry? I think that's so crazy to me. And you know what's crazy is, um, I was in a clubhouse room with a with a mom who was a lesbian, mm-hmm. and when her daughter came out to her that she was also lesbian. She admitted she went in the bathroom and cried. Mm. She had to she had to mourn the dream that she had for her daughter. She had to let that go. Now she didn't do it in front of the kid and didn't make her daughter feel any kind of way, but she admitted that she went and cried. Even somebody who's in community, you know, struggles with that. Right. Which is I, I it blew me away. I had no idea. No, I I I and here's the other thing I think about it too, is that I don't, queer people are not exempt from falling prey to the cis-hetero archetype because I think they already know that that's going to make life, air quotes, easier and more feasible. They don't have to go through the struggles and stuff like that. And I think, and so you mentioned this a little bit earlier, so I think this might also be tied into the religious aspect. And you've talked plenty of time on your um, podcast, Men Like Us, um, about how religion plays a huge factor in the black family. And when it comes to your attraction to trans women, it has been quite a feat. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but now I kind of want to go into the actual trans attraction. So at what point were you like, okay, let me just kind of tap into this a little bit. And then what was that like? Um, well, I, I've been curious. Mm-hmm. I got, I, 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 I'm sorry. 90s daytime television made me curious about trans women. That's where mm-hmm. I saw them on the Maury show, on Jenny Jones, uh, whatever, Jerry Springer. I forgot about and, you know, I was, I would see these, these women on these shows and they were fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I was just intrigued. And one of our family movies growing up was Tu Wang Fu. And that was like a super dope movie growing up. And like, I don't know. I just watched the day, daytime TV and it was just like, it, it got me curious. Mm-hmm. So then once I became old enough, because I'm old, or at least I'm old enough to the point where not you're everybody not had a computer in their home. You're not old. Huh? You're not old. I know. I know. But I'm, I'm, I'm a 90s kid and we were poor and black. Mm-hmm. Poor black families in the 90s didn't have computer or internet. Because I didn't have one either. But keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when I when porn became available for me, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I dove head first into trans porn. I've been watching trans porn since I was a teenager. Oh. Like, this has been my main mode of sexual energy and, and desire. And, you know, this has been my default since I was a 
a teenager. So, you know, nothing about that changed. Well, I moved through life dating cis women. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I was still indulging in behind closed doors. But I mean, really, if I grew up in New York, my dating life would be completely different. There just was, there's not a wealth of trans women in fucking Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Just not there. So, right. you know, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I got started out. And that's how it kind of just, you know, moved along in my, to, to the beginning stages of my, you know, attraction to women in this community. Yeah, I thank you for saying that. First, <laughs> I and you make yourself seem so much older than what you are, Chris. So first of all, that's that's gonna be a no because I'm not I'm not far behind you. So I don't want you to be like, oh, oh. no, child, you tried that. Um, but I, I I remember that I forgot about Jenny Jones. You just took me back to to Jenny Jones when you mm-hmm. said that I forgot about her. But yeah, I remember the same kind of thing too, and so even though I wasn't looking to be attracted to someone, when I saw these, what I would like to call these beautiful glamazon women and stuff like that, and people were hollering and doing all this stuff, I'm like, I don't know why they're yelling at her. She's so pretty. Like, it was it was baffling to me. Or, of course, the scandalous nature of Jerry Springer is like, oh, I'm actually a man. And I just used to sit there and be so fucking puzzled. And I would just, of course, that's not the right language. So, of course you know, don't ever say that to a trans woman, but I would, I would sit there and I would just be like, girl, what? Like how, like, how is this even feasible? And I felt so related to that energy, but me, um, cause I grew up in the nineties as well. And I didn't have any good representation and I didn't see it. And I think also black Christianity was trying to withhold that, <laughs> that demon air quotes, <laughs> Trying to hold that demon from like actually being visible, but chow, it obviously didn't work. But I'm really gagged that they let you watch Too Wong Fu because my mama was not going. Like she didn't want me to see. She didn't want me to see Ace Ventura, the first one. So I didn't even know there was a first one. I started off watching the second one, and I was just like, "There's a first one," and I saw the first one, and I was like, "Why can't I watch this? This is confusing." Now I know. But then also I couldn't. I didn't see Too Wong Fu. Like. My parents were very protective in that way in the in the black Christian family household. And they didn't have the language. They didn't have the words. They probably still barely have the words, but they're working towards it. So I'm okay with it. But how um, did black Christianity affect you during this time period when you found out that you're attracted to trans women? Obviously, I knew you was like the sweat was coming down, the anticipation, the fear, the anxiety, like... What was that feeling like between Black Christianity and trans amory? Um, well, it, it made me. Um, it, it was just it was just a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. It made me very afraid to to let. And it, it made me very afraid to let anyone know and to work extra hard to keep the secret. Mm-hmm. And actually, the secret got out once, but it was one of those things where we saw this, but we don't want to acknowledge it. Mm. So, um, you know, whatever on that front, but, um, it was, I don't know. It just really, it made me just afraid. Uh, And it it made, I'm sorry, it added to my fear of how my family would see me and how they would react Mm -hmm. based on their belief structure. Right. So, you know, it just, it just added to things and it made me, you know, feel like, I don't know. It was just like, I like this and I want this one thing over here, but it's wrong and I shouldn't. 
and no, and people will not approve of this. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, my family, my mom's going to be disappointed in me and, you know, people won't approve and, you know, they won't see me as, you know, Chris, that good guy, that good black man, the oldest one in the family, the responsible one, this, this, and this mm-hmm. It's Chris, that, that, that gay one. Cause I peep game and how queer people in the black church have been treated as I've been growing up. And I'm like, I'm going to be othered with all those other people have no connections. People will fuck with them, but not really fuck with them. And it's just, you know, I, I was afraid about getting othered in that way as well. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's how the dynamic played out. Um, it, can I go after, after I told them or is that? Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so after I decided to have that conversation with my mother, um, you know, Christianity was a big piece of the puzzle. But then the conversations that I had with some aunts and some other people, you know, all we did was talk about their faith and all this other shit. And it was just like what I was trying to do was I was trying to get my black Christian family. And if anybody knows anything about folks in the black church, you know that most a lot of them folks in that church never read that book beginning to end not even (laughs) once so you know and then so so what i was trying to get them to understand is that the bible has a litany of sins in there that the traditional black church doesn't really adhere to Mm -hmm. they don't follow they don't persecute and i just wanted i wasn't saying it was wrong i just wanted them to admit that they were picking and choosing which sins they were persecuting Mm -hmm. So you're picking this and you're going to persecute this, but you know, it also speaks against gossiping and all that other stuff with your mouth, but everybody in the church does that. You know, uh, I think every, it, it, I'm not even going to go into the particulars. I'm just saying <laughs> they pick and choose. And I was trying to get them to understand that. But, um, a lot of my family members understood that loving me comes before their religion mm. and that their agreement with, you know, as they call it a lifestyle, mm. their agreement or disagreement is, is not important. It's irrelevant. So it started out with, well, I love you, but I don't agree with this. This is this. Now it's, I love you. And that's it. I mean, we, we got to a point where their agreement or disagreement is not important mm-hmm. because if somebody told somebody in the church at some point that you agreeing or disagreeing is very important and it isn't. I, I thank you for saying that it's it's it for me and this is one thing that me and my family also struggle with is like of course I don't have animosity I don't have hatred that's not the right word I don't have that kind of negative energy towards black Christianity what what it what I do have is kind of like this sadness towards black Christianity because of course if you know history we had our own cultures and religions and faiths over over across the water but when we came over here we had to be subjected and forced to do something different so we created our own I guess spiritual base inside the confines of what white Christianity was so we kind of did that so I applaud us for always doing that kind of stuff but. <sighs> At the end of the day, it's like, I don't think that this God of love would want someone to be persecuted for something they have zero control over. And we know they have zero control because if it was really that bad, it wouldn't be a thing. I don't know how to explain it. Like, that's that's my only issue with theology. And I'm 
maybe I'll have someone on the show who can explain more about Black Christianity and stuff like that and, and break that down. That would be sickening. But I, yeah, I, I, I understand those conversations. I've had a few. What I do. So I, I understand all the, the struggles and the trials and the tribulations, as I like to say, that come with being involved with the queer community at any capacity. And I think that's where Black masculinity kind of falls itself, where it's like even the mere association to the queer community as a Black man is like, we finna kill this nigga, like, or we don't even want to be around him. Like, it's, it's, you don't even have the grace. Like, you can't, like, you can't even have a fran because if you have a fran that's queer, you know, then it says one thing, but there's a really fine, special, magical thing about lesbianism. And so I want to just know your thoughts on lesbianism and black men and in that kind of space. Like, why is that feasible? Well, because masculinity is prioritized in our community. So, you know, anyone who is giving up masculinity is devalued and people who are doubling down on it are valued. So that's how a lot of times, you know, lesbians kind of get a pass because they're taking on masculine energy. So, okay, shit, you my bro, like we good, like you just like me, we, no problems. Mm-hmm. But if a man moves away from masculinity, oh man, they're gonna want to your fuck ass this, this, and this. And, you know, I, I think something that's kind of left out a lot of times is, um, you know, it ain't just the men reinforcing this. It's, it's black women reinforcing a lot of this shit too, where it's just like the value of a man decreases if he's not this hyper-masculine person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is it is all about masculinity being of the highest value in our community. And you can see it in how we treat, how some parents treat their black sons versus their black daughters, Um how Dwayne Wade gets criticized for accepting his trans daughter by somebody who has a lesbian daughter. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, you what? <laughs> because his daughter is not giving up masculinity, so mm-hmm. it's fine. Mm-hmm. But he criticizes somebody who has a child that is moving away from that. So it's just, we're really, we're really fucked up on that one. Yeah, and I don't think that people recognize that. And I think the the thing about it is is that we've really like done a pretty great job in, in this country in this life of making women and femininity be so subordinate that I feel like even if women did say like this is not right which they have been saying for I don't know, forever. <laughs> as long as they've had the ability to say that and have their own mind and their own thoughts and their own feelings outside of the the scope and the power of a man i think literally what they've done is like a lot of them have just fall fallen into place air quotes and so whatever men have been telling them this entire time they just kind of go along with it and they're just okay with this so they definitely reinforce it so when i was in clubhouse which is terrible i should not be on clubhouse like that i, I should stop myself but sometimes it'd be so intriguing it's so fun but there are women who are fully bisexual, or like you mentioned, the lesbian woman who's disappointed in um, someone losing their masculinity or something like that. And I'm just like, okay, so you're part of the queer community, but you're still invested in cis heteronormativity. And that's interesting to me, but oh, well. Is that this uh, patriarchy that they've been talking about on Clubhouse? Is that it? Yeah, well, yeah, patriarchy is constantly happening. We just. Mm. 
we 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 just it's we're so conditioned it's so ingrained it's like white supremacy all of that it's just so ingrained that we don't know how to undo it so when you introduce anything that's contrary to it oh baby it's it's a complete wrap like if you not the further the, like i tell people the further you move away from being a cis hetero cisgender heterosexual upper middle class um white man who who's able body and all that kind of stuff like the further you move away from that, the harder everything is gonna be. So like me, like I'm a black transgender woman who's like middle classish, I guess, or whatever. And it's like I moved so far away from the cis white patriarchal standards of what life is and stuff like that that my existence is negligible, laughable, not even conceivable. So when we show up or when something happens to us, everyone's like, oh, okay, well, shrug. That's why nothing's happened with HIV over the last how many ever years and stuff like that. And, you know, just it's just not prioritized because it's not affecting the people who have set all these things in motion. So either way. Ooh. Let's so I want to talk about something a little bit different. So let's go on to the next part. Okay. Okay. So now after the starting to tell people process, or like we like to call coming out, I I want to just preface this by saying like I think that um, cisgender heterosexual men who are attracted to trans women or trans amorous or trans attractive men, however you want to phrase it. I think that the coming out process is the most challenging for them. And I think when I did your live, sorry for fully, <laughs> I, that live I did on trans day of visibility, a T-dub, I was like, girl, I'm, this is going to be a little bit interesting, but my whole thing about that is like the coming out process for trans attractive men. I don't think that they have to do that inherently because they're following in line technically with following cis hetero, you know, patriarchal things. But when they introduce the idea of dating trans women, that's when it kind of like, oh no, I have to come out. So can you talk a little bit about like your coming out process when people weren't, didn't agree with you? How did you cope? What kind of, um, stress relievers how did you manage to take care of those feelings um well first very quickly you know for 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 the people in the audience who don't believe that coming out should be a thing for guys in this space or that we shouldn't have any stories in this room again it's 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 not about us it's about how society perceives women in the trans community so Mm -hmm. A lot of people in society perceive trans women as men. So we're literally at that point for a lot of folks, we're coming out as gay. Mm-hmm. Like that's how it is being received when we tell them about, about this stuff. So, um, but uh, I didn't have too much difficulty with, um, well, okay, I'm sorry. I, the first conversation I had, the first hard conversation I had was with my mom. I had already talked to my sisters, mm-hmm. worked up to my mom, and that was a outpouring of emotion the likes of which i've never seen from her Mm -hmm. i'm the oldest child i've been with her the longest and i have never seen her uncontrollably let out what's inside of her Mm -hmm. we have always kind of been raised to keep your emotions on the inside don't let them see you cry like all that kind of stuff be strong up front that has that's what she's done but everything fell to pieces during that and um you know we didn't talk for like three months Mm -hmm. and 
Uh, yeah, it, it was. I had to hang up on her. Almost, uh, I was like, "Look, I gotta hang up on you before I cuss you out." <laughs> like, we gotta cut it out, and um, you know, it was just. Um, I don't know how I. I don't really remember how I coped with it. I think it was. I was so resolute. Mm. And, and, and firm on what I was, uh, who I was and what I was doing, mm-hmm. it was like, well, I'm here. Like, you can have trouble with this if you want to, but I'm not changing. Mm-hmm. And crying, guilting, whatever, none of that's going to work on me because I'm not going to change. Mm-hmm. So I am here, and you can take however much time you need to accept this, but I'm not sh- I'm not movable at, at this point. Mm-hmm. So, um and, and, you know, we're, we're still, like, coming out was the best thing that could ever happen to our relationship. It completely tore it down to its basic parts. And we have rebuilt a relationship that was, that is much stronger um, than the relationship we had before. We relate to each other on a way deeper level now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's able to talk about certain things that she went through that she was never going to talk to me about before like it is just weird it 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 definitely transformed our relationship into something that's absolutely amazing so um but i didn't have any i didn't have trouble with my friends uh there were people that i went to church with that i knew from the churches i grew up in a church Mm -hmm. and yeah okay they had a difference of opinion they had some funny weird shit to say i had a cousin drop on my shit on instagram trying to say something but i mean i see that dude once every other year so so what um, my close friends, the people in my inner circle had no issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. They didn't <laughs> leave me over it. They didn't stop being my friends over it, but they had problematic shit to say. Mm-hmm. In fact, my best friend was like, so what, you like you like men masquerading as women? Mm-hmm. And like, I had to check on the settle straight. Like, actually, no, it's this. And we should never talk. Don't talk about it like this. It is this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, he's, he was kind of stuck in his caveman ways, but at no point did he say, oh, I ain't gonna fuck with you no more over this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, didn't, I didn't have any of that rejection with my friends. Mm-hmm. So it, all the people that I actually care about, who I want in my life, are here. None of them left. Um, there might have been some, you know, fraternity brothers mm-hmm. or people from the church who don't agree or whatever the fuck else, but they're not in my inner circle, so it don't matter to me. So I just, I didn't have that struggle where I lost somebody super important in my life over me being completely honest about who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that there are people with who disapprove in my family. I know there are people that aren't completely with it, but that's their problem. That's their problem. They have to get over it for themselves. And, you know, I'm focused on my relationship between me and my mother, and we're working at it slowly. And it's good. I don't think she's ready for me to bring somebody home right now. But, you know, she's definitely a lot better than where she was before. Right. So, no, um, yeah. No, I love that. Thank you for saying that. I, and me as a black trans woman, I just drew so many parallels to my own, in my, to my own self and my own story. So I like that you got to share what the experience of coming out is like. So when you were telling me, I was like, oh, yeah, I did the same kind of things. Like, went through the same kind of motions. So... And I and I want to make sure that I definitely say like 
coming out takes time, it takes energy, it takes lots of effort, and this is why we always tell people, like, don't force people to come out, like, you shouldn't put people business out there like that, like, that's not your thing to do, so don't, like, if you know someone's tea, whether they be trans attracted, they be a queer person, whatever, like, that's not your place to put their tea out there, like, that's not what it is, like, if they open and they want, they want people care and stuff like that, they don't care, then you probably have a little bit more leeway, but you still shouldn't do it because you don't know who might be in that space who might want to cause harm just because you are existing as yourself. And so there have been situations where men who are trans attracted do get into situations where they could be physically harmed or taunted at and all that kind of stuff. And it feels terrible to be dehumanized and just reduced down to who you want to have sex with and or who you want to be in relationship with or whatever like because at the end of the day it's not you so why do you even care this you know that's an interesting thing for me so yeah it is it is in that side of it well we saw that maurice willoughby video mm -hmm. online where he was harassed on the street because of who he was with mm -hmm. but i also have personal friends in this community of ours uh, you know i'm in a frat mm -hmm. uh, i have a friend who was in a frat he you know these are in, in Greek life, these are dudes that you're super close with. Like, these are your brothers. Y'all known each other since forever. Mm. And y'all super tight. And it's, 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 a, it's a very tight bond. And to have people that are you believe that are down for you and have been down with you since y'all was young mm. to, like, not invite you out anymore because you and your girl, they, they, okay, we're going to have our own little thing and then we'll bring them on once in a while. But, like, they had to set up their, like, to be X'd out because of that, like, it, it definitely, it definitely sucks, but, you know, I think uh, just ladies listening to this, a lot of guys, we know that that might happen, and, uh, you know, the man knows what he's doing, so, like, definitely don't be feeling guilty about it, because I know that, I've, I've talked to some women, like, man, I feel guilty, like, I feel like this is some, like, this is not your fault, mm -hmm. ain't got shit to do with you, like, let that man deal with his shit, how he got to deal with it. And, you know, this is what he signed up for. Mm -hmm. and he signed up to, to stand on the shit. Right. And I, I want to also encourage people to, if they have access and the ability to, to go to therapy. I definitely encourage that to, to talk to somebody so you can get these feelings all sorted out. Because just holding it in and being all bottled up is not the move. And... Um, when I did your Instagram live for a trans day of visibility, I was talking about the willingness to face that fear because I think what a lot of it is, is most men who are trans attracted are living in what we like to call the DL lifestyle down low. <laughs> they don't want people to know that they date trans women or they ha are intimate or have sex with trans women. And that's at their own discretion. Like nobody got to know that. Like that's okay to me because they probably protecting themselves but it's it's something that you're operating out of fear to me. And so when you're operating out of fear, I find that nothing really fruitful comes from that. You have to be operating out of place of like love and positivity in order for things to actually blossom and grow. But, you know, then again, there are people who are very successful who never who never came out and said nothing like Tiger or Chris Brown, you know, you know. Or great. I'm just going to just going to cross my legs and mind my business. That's that's I got nothing to do with me. <laughs> A gang of NBA players out there too. A gang, and I'm hoping one. And they all know each other. And they should just they, they, they room with each other on away games so that they could sneak out and go do their thing or 
or invite the girls in and, and sneak them in and sneak them out. Like these niggas is organized out here. Mm-hmm. They doing all that. If if any of them are listening, I'm available. Please, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm city Do girl. It. I I would love to get flued out. Don't. <laughs> I mean, ugh. anyway, everybody who know me know that basketball is, like, the only sport I know, and it's the only sport, like, of men that I'm just like, okay, you can have whatever you like. I'm turning to T.I. real quick. You can have whatever you like. I'll be right there. Um, but, no, I think the willingness to face that fear is what most men don't want to do, but then it also makes me chuckle internally because the the power of masculinity is not to be afraid to conquer, to be able to take over these things and then black masculinity to add more on to that is like the hyper version of that like the 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 upped version of the re-up version of that so it's like i don't understand the fear and the anxiety of course i do but in in this scenario i don't understand the fear and anxiety around i don't want anyone to know but i have to be masculine and strong at the same time which of course means that you can't have fear which we have to be real around a human beings so that doesn't make any sense so that fear is what I, I i feel like a lot of them are afraid to encounter whereas with trans women that I am friends with and girls that I am in community with and stuff like that, we've already gone through that fear. We've lost people that we um, have been in community with, whether it be to um, unfortunate murders or what, or suicide or whatever the case may be. Trigger warning. Sorry, I should have said that before. <laughs> or they have lost family members because they did not approve of them being a trans person or a queer person or they have lost friends and they or they've even lost their entire home and their stability and they're being as they're being as working as a sex worker in order to make the things happen for themselves or whatever the case may be so it's like the worst has already kind of happened to the girls and now like we're in our 30s now or most people who listen to this show are in their late 20s so we at this place now where we don't potentially already lost everything. So the so for men to show up and be like, well, I'm still nervous. I'm still afraid. And this is probably why a lot of girls be like, no, I don't want to deal with that. So that's my own personal opinion. I can't speak for every girl. Obviously, I'm not mono, we're not monolithic. But I think that's where a lot of girls come from. Like, we already did this. Like, I'm going to need you to hurry up. But then I have to also remember, like, they just now kind of get to the point where they feel an okay to even start to pursue this on an external thing everything's been internal for men I feel like and then now it's kind of being brought to this external place and I think that um we get impatient as trans women because we want y'all to be like y'all men y'all supposed to be strong and da 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 so come on out and come on out and be able to stand on your own too be 10 toes down da 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 but we be but y'all be nervous and be afraid because you're human beings and we have to rationalize that so ladies sisters girlfriends femmes non-binary folks who date uh trans amorous men please be patient with them y'all have communication set your own guidelines about what y'all want to do how y'all want to go about it and once those perimeters are established then move forward but don't anticipate him to show up with the same energy and the same kind of power as you like that's not feasible to me oh absolutely not Mm -hmm. um but, but to your earlier part of it um, about masculinity, mm-hmm. um, for a lot of men, you know, men, men need their masculinity affirmed by other men and even women. Mm-hmm. And when uh, the, the one thing that I guess isn't talked about a lot or people just don't know, but a lot of guys who date trans women also date cis women. Right. 
a lot of us will go from one rec. Like, just because we started dating trans women doesn't mean we're giving up pussy altogether. Like, mm. we like women. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys will bounce back and forth. And a lot of reason why some of these guys will not be open and honest about certain things is because they don't want to be, they don't want to be seen as undateable mm-hmm. by cis women. Mm-hmm. So now they don't want to be rejected by all cis women because they do this. So then a lot of them just keep, keep their mouth shut. Mm-hmm. So that is a piece to the puzzle at least. But then, you know, when you were talking about the community having grace, um, it is always, con- I don't want to say confused. Oh, you can be- it has always fascinated me uh-huh. that a community built on transition and journey has no space for understanding and grace of someone else's transition and journey. Uh-huh. And I, I definitely can echo that because I've been in a place where me and my mother personally, where she was like, you expect me to get this tomorrow? And I'm kind of like, girl, yeah, she said you love me and love is unconditional. But I had to come to a place where I said, girl, look at yourself. It took you X amount of time to get comfortable even admitting this in a mirror to yourself or nobody else in this room. And now you're at this place where you can, where you tell people on what feel like a national, universal, global level or whatever. So it's just like, you have to give yourself that time. And I think because um, a lot of people, us even as trans people are fully indoctrinated a lot of time into cis heteronormativity. Like my mama created me so she can't, like you can't be mad at her for having these life goals and expectations of what she wanted. And now she's going to take time trying to figure that out. Like you're going to have to be okay. But like, again, you have to set those parameters with her and then you have to do the same Mm -hmm. thing. Like you said, like with your mom, you have to set parameters with her and you have to do the same thing with the men that you're going to encounter. If they're not bringing what you need them to bring or perceivably bring in the energy that you need them to bring, then you need to make sure that you address that. And if, you know, if it's not happening, then you need to kind of move on and find someone that's going to be able to give you what you desire at the way that you see fit. And that's okay. I mean, sadly, I would say... Um, to a lot of women out there, if the guy that you're engaged with is, um, if he is moving, if he's moving in his journey, if he is moving in in the right direction, no matter where he's at in it, if he's growing, even slowly, whatever, you're ahead of the curve. Because there are a lot of men that do not want to grow. They just want to stay trade. They just want this to be a sex thing. They don't want to really be seen with you anywhere. But there are guys, okay, Look, I want to. I, I'm starting to like. I like you, and and I want to introduce you to some folks, and I want to do this. But just give me some time to work this up. I have to work. I have to figure out myself first. X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But if he's willing to make that trip, I wouldn't kick him out immediately because I mean the dating pool is at a state where that guy is still ahead of the curve, and you have to be realistic about who's out there mm-hmm. and have a lot more grace for the amount of time it takes for people to grow to get where you need them to be. Now, granted, yes, like you said, you can set timelines where, you know, um, I, I always tell women this routinely. I'm like, if, if, if you're with a guy and y'all have been monogamous mm-hmm. for three months and you haven't met anybody he knows, walk away. Mm-hmm. If you don't know nobody he knows, leave. No coworkers, no friends, no uh, people he knew from church, no family members, leave. And I think that, to me, that sounds feasible, 
But there's also, there's parts of me that's like, okay, he's taking his time. He's trying to work his way through this. Da, 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 da. And so that's up. That's at your own discretion, um, ladies, I would say, or sisters, girlfriends. I would say take your time trying to figure out how long you want that window to be. Chris says three months, and then you should be out that jam if he's saying he won't you and all that kind of stuff. But I, to me, I take a little bit longer. I would almost say maybe four or five. I wouldn't get to six months, really. That's a little, that's a long time. But there's going to have to be progress, and y'all going to have to definitely just communicate. Sure. And, you know, this, this three-month thing isn't you have to meet his mama in three months. Mm -hmm. It's him finding a friend, somebody that he knows that he that's in his life that he believes is either safe, whatever. It's baby steps, but at least you're starting to be integrated into his life because that's what this whole, you know, pie-in-the-sky fantasy partner happily ever after is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. You're merging your life together, so... You know, that, that's why I kind of place it on it because it's like in three months, you should be able to find your sister who's cool with it or a friend from college who's cool with it or your boy X, Y, and Z or your coworker, whatever, somebody. Mm -hmm. But, okay, in five months, we'll, we'll extend it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for taking my consideration. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a piece of the puzzle. But, you know, again, men need... I know, I know, I know it sucks. You don't want to give men any any luxuries at all, but they need grace. I don't want to give y'all not a damn. I'm just. <laughs> I, I'm just. I, I know people out there who don't who don't want to do anything. They, they men should be at this state, and this, this, and this. We are coming in from what I like to call cis land. Mm -hmm. We don't know shit about nothing in community. Like we ain't never had to. We never had to confront any of this in our lives, and now we have to do it at the drop of a hat. When you've been in community for dec a, a decade, mm -hmm. fifteen years, however long, like we can't catch up that quickly. It's right. impossible. And so I think that's something that a lot of us, as far as like the trans women, we need to just kind of just work on that. Just be patient and. And that's going to be at your own discretion. Again, this is not mm -hmm. monolithic. Y'all work that out and have those conversations. But I think we can talk a little bit more about relationships between men and what you do as far as your podcast. So. <laughs> okay, so um, speaking of your podcast, Men Like Us. So this is a podcast that is dedicated for men who are trans attracted and, and are trans amorous. So men who are attracted to trans women specifically or GNC um, femme people, I would say too. And um, you design this in, um, in, a, in an effort to make sure that men have a place to congregate, so to speak, to be able to discuss these things and have these dialogues and have these conversations and learn things from the community to put back into the community so that it can be a more cohesive relationship between uh, trans women and um, trans amorous men. So can you talk about how you kind of like started there um, and what's kind of you've been doing now and other stuff that you do to make men more comfortable with their trans amory? <laughs> yeah, so um, it started with my very first podcast called Trans Talk for Men I did with my friend Eric. Um, <laughs> after that, um, I started my own project called The Men Like Us Podcast. Um, all of my podcasting efforts have been geared towards normalizing healthy romantic relationships between trans women 
and cishet men. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's all been, it's, it's all aimed at normalizing it for men mm-hmm. to get them comfortable with themselves, give them courage to be who they are. Let them know that they're not a freak. They're not a weirdo. Um, that this isn't just some fetish, like there's nothing wrong with them because this is what they want. Um, so, you know, it's really is giving courage and community and conversation. Mm. And it's also giving, um, it's giving a little bit of education, but all the things that we are talking about, hopefully will spark uh, growth. There needs to be something there that sparks that growth where the guy goes from, okay, I only view this on porn or I only do this, this, and this to, well, you know what, this could be my forever life. So why don't I start doing this? Like it really, there, something needs to spark that. So, you know, we, we do that to help guys grow, help guys learn. Um, when I was questioning myself and when I was, you know, curious back in like 2005, 2006-ish, you know, I was doing my own research like, like you advise, you know, men hop on the internet. Oh, wow. It's like I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Big Chris and I had a huge thing about, well, not huge, but it was just like, what do y'all, do y'all actually use the internet for that kind of stuff? And you was just like giving me like, no, girl, we not, we don't do that. I'm just like, y'all just aren't doing that. But anyway, go ahead. (laughs) So yeah, I was on there and, you know, I was looking, I was trying to figure out, you know, the basic shit, like, am I gay? Mm. Or how, if I wanted to do this, how does this look? Mm. You know, um. But there weren't, there were no pieces of media. There was nothing, there were no resources out there for me. So I was just lost trying to figure myself out by myself with nobody to turn to, nobody to see as an example, no nothing. And, you know, this podcast is also for those guys out there who are just lost and they're looking for answers. They're trying to learn about themselves. They're trying to wrestle with their, they're trying to um, reconcile their attraction with their masculinity. So I, this, this, this show definitely provides a service and it helps, you know, in essence, it helps guys be better mates for women. But also what I, what my goal and my vision has been is for that young 18 year old boy who doesn't know what's going on with himself to, um, really, you know, listen to it. And let's say he ends up having an experience with a woman, maybe maybe what I've done is given him the tools that he needs to not turn around a killer when somebody finds out, Mm. you know, this is the kind of stuff I believe that can help prevent murders and really, you know, help guys out, help them, you know, deal with themselves mentally. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's what a lot of what we've been doing on the show. We've also been saying some real shit Uh. in the hopes of preparing men Mm -hmm. for when they come into this community, you should expect X, Y, and Z. This and this and this happens. Don't react to it like this. Here's what you should put up with. Here's what you do not take this. Like, it's been a lot of knowledge dropping from our perspective. Mm -hmm. But all the guys on my podcast, they've been in this community for a minute. To say the least, a minute. Mm -hmm. We even had the OG Troy, who's been in it since the 80s on there. Shout out to Troy Kennedy. Shout out to Troy Kennedy. Shout out to the OG Troy. So, um, and, 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 you know, it, it's been very dope with the show. It's been great. Um, podcasting, it, it, it's, 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 it's been rewarding mm-hmm. to get messages from men in other countries. 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, your your podcast has changed my life. Like, I love listening to you, to your to your conversations X, Y, and Z. Like, this has really helped me out, helped me understand myself, mm-hmm. which is absolutely dope. And that's what we're doing it for, is just to help people. And, you know, we have a men's only Facebook group called the Men Like Us Tribe. Ladies, do not try to infiltrate. Um, our standards are very high for somebody to get in. Not high. We look for key things. Uh, you know, like you can't come in with a Facebook profile that was just created a week ago. Not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Try as I um, might. But, huh? Try as I might. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a great place for men to support men. It's a support group. Um, we always encourage more guys to come in. And it's been a great place for men to support each other. Um, one of the best posts that we had in there was um, there was a guy who he's been with his girlfriend for a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he hasn't had that conversation with his mother. Mm-hmm. And he was like, guys, I'm, I'm freaking out. I, I want to do this, but I don't know how to approach it. X, Y, and Z. And, you know, we had guys who were already married, mm-hmm. um, single guys like myself, guys just with girlfriends, like, Guys of all levels of experience coming in here and just telling them, okay, well, make sure you come at it like this. If she comes like this, do this, like stand firm. It was a lot of encouragement and advice, and it was super dope. He went and had the conversation with his mom and came back. and was like, yo, it was great. You know, she respected me for being open, X, Y, and Z. And, um, you know, I had a phone conversation with the guy. Actually, I, I was on the phone with him. And then I, he, he hung up, he did the conversation, he called me right back. Mm. And, you know, we kind of did a little post-game rundown, and I told him what he needs to be looking out for going forward, mm. you know. But it is a lot of coaching up, guys, and stuff, but it is a shame-free zone. And what happens is guys come into the space, and they'll join a group with men and women in it, and they ask a lot of basic, low-level questions, which leads to a lot of people jumping on them. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't get support and they get shit on. And it's just like, you're in the wrong place. Come to the men's only space where we can help affirm you and help help you grow and learn and, you know, give you the tools that you need. So um, any men out there listening to this, I would highly encourage you join the Men Like Us Tribe Facebook group. It is a very necessary group um, for a lot of men out there. Um, not everybody needs the group. Mm-hmm. There are people with the testimony out there who just don't they don't have any struggle in this area everybody is accepting an x y and z and they don't have a lot of the toxic masculinity built up upon them but you know a lot of times it's black men that need these kinds of groups the most because of how toxic the black community can be towards anything that has to do with anybody in the lgbt community and you know i always say i i'm not i don't I don't profess to know where we fit in. I did a whole stream trying to figure that one out. But, you know, anybody who has a coming out story is in, is, is one of alphabet people. Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere. We may not take up a whole letter, but we somewhere in there. We may be at the tip of the, the tip, tip of the T on the right side or something like that. But we, we can't, you can't be like, well, y'all ain't even in that LGBT. Cause no, we had, we had the coming out. We had to sacrifice mm-hmm. and, and and deal with judgment and shame and rejection from people that we love. Like that, that is a central storyline in a lot of for a lot of people in this community. So, uh, but yeah, that's what we do. Uh, we are we will be growing to some more analog events. Ooh. So look out for 
offer that. We are going to be doing some volunteer events, you know. One thing that a lot of women in this community say, they want to see the men show up. Well, God damn it, we're going to show up. So Yay! it's going to happen this year. I am ready. Y'all need to show up. I thank you for all that you, that the work that you did in creating these spaces for men because I feel like there's safe places for men, especially black men, like the barber shop. There are safe places like when y'all go out, like even sounds silly, but like strip clubs and stuff like that. I think that y'all get the magical place of being able to sit and be able to congregate and have your own space and be able to sh shoot the shit and just talk and da da da. And I love like that you created this space where they can have this type of conversation because in most spaces, men don't have deep conversations, at least from my experience. And you can confirm or deny that. <laughs> I don't think it gets very deep and especially like when it comes to women, women are supposed to be a facilitation of sexual pleasure. And that's pretty much the premise of what their existence is when it comes to men's spaces. And you can say that's not true if you want to, because I haven't been in a fully men's space in God knows how long, obviously. Well, it is the, that's okay. So, you know, I mentioned the Greek experience before. Mm -hmm. The Greek experience, like God, guys who are in those frets, those fraternity brothers are so close because they are we open up to each other mm -hmm. in a way that we've never opened up to anyone before okay we share things about ourselves that not even our girlfriends know and it's just like you know we, we build those deep bonds through really showing people who we really are um obviously i didn't have that full luxury because you know i wasn't at that headspace yet but there have been just some you know like i love saying i love you hugging all of that like the actual bonding that you don't see if behind closed doors in those greek organizations there's a lot of male bonding in that way where guys are telling each other i love you and we're we're taking long hugs and you know maybe shedding a tear whatever else when we share it in a certain way so you know that's why you know sometimes in this greek world it can be a little jarring and a little like I don't know, significant when you start to lose those ties that have been earned over time um, because people disagree with who you choose to love. Mm -hmm. No, I thank you for saying that. I've never been in a Greek org, although I kind of wanted to when I was in college, but girl, no. So I'm. thank you for... Well, you know they got one now. They got uh, they have a trans one now. I saw it. It, it got my attention. And I was like, okay, maybe I might need to, you know, be a... One of the KISS girls, if they let me, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I thank you for um, sharing that and letting people know that there are safe spaces for men to be able to emote. Because I think what we do, especially again with black masculinity, it's, all, it's always coming back to that. Because it's the rigidness and the shackles of it, of not being able to emote and be a fully rounded person. And so I love that you're able to do that and have those spaces. And like the men like us podcast even the one where i first discovered you uh trans talk for men i actually recommended men to listen to that because even though you know it's not what the men like us podcast is now it was at least men are in a space where they can listen to some kind of dialogue and a conversation and i as a trans woman got to listen and hear how men got to actually speak and talk about these things that pertains to them and stuff like that and it was eye-opening for me and be like okay I have to be more reasonable. I need to be more understanding or everything isn't just a sexual experience, you know, for them. So I'm like, okay, thank God. Like, it, it's just nice being able to hear that because as trans women, we get sexualized 
to the 90,000th degree. We like just post a nice picture and all of a sudden it's like, this is just my own personal experience. I can't speak for every girl. But like whenever I post a picture, there's at least three or four DMs that might slide in and just be like, I just want to talk to you. And it's kind of like, okay. And then eventually at least three of the four, let's say it was four of them, at least three of the four are going to ask about genitals and, and that kind of stuff. So then the fetishization and the, and the, um, and the, the, the fun word that y'all love, the chaser word. <laughs> so I know that in the, in those spaces, y'all have hand, y'all, well, I won't say have, cause there's always a constant need of growth and things like that. But you handle that and you guys talk about how being a chaser and, and fetishizing trans women in this way um, takes place and how to not do that versus how it can come across and all that kind of stuff. So what's that dialogue kind of like to where it's like, Treat her like a woman, like a human person, and not a sexual blow-up doll. Yeah. Um, How do y'all do that? To be honest, it doesn't really come up that much because mm. the the rules that people have to agree to to join the group, you know, it's, it's made very clear that we are not a porn exchanging group. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't allow, you know... We don't allow nude pictures in our group. Mm-hmm. We don't allow negative comments about women in our group. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I would say that my group is judgment free. So if a guy came in and said, hey, y'all, this is what I want to do. Where do I find the ladies X, Y, and Z? You know, we might talk to him a little bit and say, hey, well, that shouldn't be your first priority. Like, do you know people in this community? Like, what what do you what's your knowledge base right now? Mm-hmm. And like, really try to dive into like setting his priorities straight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't really been an issue. What has been an issue is we've had to get rid of people with completely negative attitudes about women mm-hmm. in our groups. Um, we had to police that and get rid of rid of a couple guys who every single time they had something to say was. You know, well, these women is this, this, and this. And it's like, but that's not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had to remove some. We do police on that point. And it's also because we have a lot of new guys coming in there. And I don't want them to be tainted by folks who have nothing but negative outlooks. And I don't want to set the standard that hating women mm-hmm. is accepted here. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know... Ladies, I'm about to flip it around right now. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Ladies, y'all need to do a little bit better of a job policing some of y'all girls that hate men to the nth degree and got nothing but bad things to say. Because those guys that we kicked out are literally the male versions of some women out there on these Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Where niggas ain't shit all the time. You always, you got nothing positive to say about men. Mm-hmm. And it's acceptable. Nobody says, hey, girl. Like, tone it down a little bit. You're a little bit too negative. None of this stuff, like, you, you they, they have a place. They will not be excised. And, you know, I was actually, from one of those guys, one of the three guys that I ended up kicking out, um, like, I was getting pressure from the outside. Like, women saying, well, you let him in your group? And I'm like, uh, yes, it's my group. I can do what the fuck I want to with it. Okay. Who are you again? Like, so, I mean, I was receiving political pressure. Like, well, he hates women. He's negative, this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, I wish you put this much energy into policing your own girls who have nothing but toxic energy towards men. But okay, fine. 
Uh, I know, I know, nobody loves me for having that stance, but, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of these guys, their, their, their negativity stems from their hurts. Right. Pain, disappointment, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, being cheated on, being scammed, whatever. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens. People, cheating and scamming has been around long before any of us touched this planet. That part. Okay? So, you know, for him to... For, for some of these guys to turn around and be like, well, yeah, all these women, hey, they all just this and they all just that. It's, you made a conscious decision to let that make you dark on the inside. You could have taken that and said, you know what? Bad, something bad happened to me, but I'm not going to let that dim my light. You became consumed by it. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you have to go fix that yourself before you can come back to our group. Yeah. And that's the message. That's the note I wrote to each guy that I kicked out. I didn't just, I didn't just kick him out mm-hmm. and they had no idea. Uh, we tried to work with him, tried to talk him off the ledge and talk them off the ledge. Uh, and, um, you know, I had to let him know, Hey, this is not the group, but if you ever get to a place where you're not like this anymore, come on back. Right. No, I... we need to make, we need to set community standards that this level of action is not, or, or behavior is not acceptable. Right. No, and I like I like that because in, in so many ways, like people who are acting what we like to call out of place or out of pocket or however they want to call it or however they want to mm-hmm. carry it, they're literally just seeking assistance and help, but they just doing it in a really kind of interesting way that we find demonizing and rude and stuff like that. So I'm definitely the girl that's like, I'm going to give people a chance and try to assist and help. And eventually it will get to a point like how you did. It's like, I let him in so we could show him how this is supposed to take place and da 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 and what's supposed to happen and how he's supposed to respect and treat women and all that kind of carrying on. And because he didn't want to do that and you and you did everything in your power to do that, you sent him on his way, but you didn't just be like, okay, now bye nigga, you gave him like some, here's try this and do these things and come back when you feel like you're ready. We as trans women, every group of people can do that because, you know, we like to think monolithically for almost every group of people, but I like that you handle it with such decorum. And I love that you make space for men in that way to be able to have these conversations. It's so important because um, before we go to the end here, I think this kind of space um, is one of the remedies. It's not the ultimate remedy, of course, but it's one of the remedies in which well, we can reduce the way of the number the numbers of black trans women specifically being murdered in this country. Cause I know you probably look on your timeline and get tired of it. Just like me every week, it's a new girl, it's a new girl, it's a new girl. And I, I know um, me specifically that I just get tired of it because it's very much my thought process of like, I could be that next girl. Cause I'm like, if Laverne could get attacked in a park, then I'm not, I'm not, I'm not special. Like, that's how I kind of look at it. And so it's like, I get tired of just seeing it over and over. And I don't think people understand how jarring that can be. So I think by having these spaces, like Men Like Us podcast, even the previous one, Trans Talk for Men and your Facebook group and everything like that, I think it helps to remedy and alleviate men of this stress and this anxiety of like people knowing. So rather than, just being able to say, okay, I'm attracted to trans women. They take it to these stakes of like, I don't want no one to know this. So if it comes down to it, I'm going to go ahead and like wear her out and she's going to be done. And then the gag is, is that 
because of how the patriarchal cishet white system is all set up. A black a black person being killed is already placed down lower, and then you add transness on top of that. And so she's probably going to be misgendered in the news, and you will never know until months later and all kinds of stuff. So because the situation doesn't get raised to the elevation of a white person being killed, <laughs> we don't we don't know any of as many stories as we think that we know. And I think that your groups and your podcasts and everything that you're doing is helping to remedy that. So I, I want to say personally, thank you for what you're doing. I appreciate it. And, you know, I just hope we can uh, move forward, uh, you know, where everybody needs to be. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. So we come to the end and I want to thank you for your time, your energy, your effort, all your kind words um, for both the men and the women, everyone in these communities where we overlap and things like that. So tell people where they could find you on the social medias, Big Chris. On the social medias, um, you can find the Men Like Us podcast on Instagram. is at Men Like Us podcast. We're also on Facebook at Men Like Us Podcast and YouTube at Men Like Us Podcast. And then also on all the streaming, po- or I'm sorry, podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I'll put those links in the, in the description below. So please, y'all go uh, check out um, Chris's content, especially if you're a trans amorous man or you happen to know someone who's a trans amorous man so that they can get resources and links to, you know, community so they can find help and care so we can stop eventually at some point that would be great but at least slow down the what's happening to black trans women across the world so um again thank you so 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 much chris for all your time your energy and your effort and i really appreciate you oh thank you so um thanks for having me of course and thank everyone thank you all for listening and tuning in to another episode of black to the future i don't know if monkey gonna be on the next one or not depending on how these roll out but we gonna say but we'll see y'all next time thank you so much bye Thank you all so much for tuning in to Black to the Future. Yes, thank you for joining us. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black to the Future Podcast. And don't forget to use the hashtag Black to the Future Podcast as well. Share the content and please leave positive reviews. Yeah, all that. <laughs> and we will see y'all in the future. Don't you mean Black to the Future? Oh, I guess you're right. We'll see y'all black to the future. future.